Hello, and welcome to the Writing Guys podcast, where we help writers get inside a guy's head by answering burning questions on how men think. I'm Lancey McCall, today's moderator, and our hosts are Michael Aspen and C.T. Andrews. And we also have a returning guest, Matt Castle. Hey, y'all. Hello. Howdy. Guest. All right, Michael, you had something fun you did this week. I did. Uh, I was uh, invited on to uh, Matt's podcast that he does called Write Out Loud. And I got a chance to go on there and give some opinions on the state of finding um, good good books to read, good fiction to consume. And it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Um, I don't know when that's scheduled, but um, I wanted to just give a quick plug about that. And since Matt is here and he's on that podcast, he can tell us a little bit about what that podcast does and what it's there for. Take it away, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for being a guest. It was wonderful. It was very, uh, it, was, it was a good conversation. Uh, you know, writing guys and write out loud have a lot in common in the sense that we are talking about helping writers become better, right? In some way. So write out loud is really designed to just get the tips, tricks, tactics that authors can use to get their works out there. From somebody in the industry, uh, Christina Travascus, who is a an exceptional editor and uh, storyteller of her own, and really tell the story, tell all of those things, right? We're using Heartstopper, which for those of you who aren't familiar, it is a graphic novel by Alice Oseman, and it is also a Netflix series, which is really phen- phenomenal. Uh, we use it as kind of a, a point for us, like we, we kind of use it to highlight our points as we go through them and the, the little techniques that writers will use. So we don't go episode by episode, but we do use it as kind of a call out in the first season, at least. Nice. So, yeah. So check it out. You want to hear it? You can head to writeoutloudpod.com. And we can probably put those in the show notes, right, Michael? Absolutely. Yes. I'd be happy to. Christina is actually my editor. She's my story editor and kind of a story coach. And uh, she is... um, Various people have described it in different ways, but she's kind of like a warm blanket for the soul. She just makes you happy wow. when you're around her. She's pretty awesome. That she is. I can I can attest. <laughs> All right. You guys ready for the question of the week? Yeah. Let's do it. Get it. <laughs> All right. So I kind of like this topic. Um, the topic is compartmentalization. And the question is, uh, do men compartmentalize and how? describe it give some examples well that's kind of an interesting question i don't know i mean i i would say that i do compartmentalize the problem is i only have one brain so i don't really have a cross-reference to other people's brains and how they operate but i think that i compartmentalize very very well but it's for me and you guys tell me if y'all are like this or completely opposite Never mind. I know Michael's completely opposite. However, <laughs> you guys tell me what y'all think. The level of duress that I'm under is directly correlated to my powers of compartmentalization. Like if I'm just living my day and I'm at the beach and whatever, I don't compartmentalize very well at all. But if I'm under a, a, in a situation and I'm under a lot of stress, either at work or some special in, you know, instance going on out in the real world, 
man, I, my brain just looks at everything like it's its own thing and solves it, comes up with a solution for it uh, very uh, in a compartmentalized way. So that's how my brain works. And uh, I've always liked that about myself, but the older I get, the more I get more I believe I'm not very unique in that. I think that's probably a pretty common thing, except for um, Michael Aspen. But y'all go ahead. And y'all... <laughs> <laughs> Matt, do you want to you give your input? I can then round it out with the potentially alternative view. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, to a large degree, men compartmentalize perhaps more often than women do. And I do think it is a little bit more of a societal thing as well. So I think culturally it depends, but I do think that at least in the culture of the U S we'll say, uh, I do think that men tend to compartmentalize more because there, again, it kind of goes back to, we've, we've had this discussion in the past a little bit on the way that men are taught to think or feel right. To, to kind of be a man, if you will, right. You get hurt toss some dirt on it, walk it off. Um, it's to put that stuff away because now you have to deal with X, right? Maybe you have to take care of the family. Maybe you have to be there because, you know, somebody passed away. I don't know, but you're kind of taught to do that where for females, and again, I'm generalizing, but for females, like it's less so, I think. Whether they do it on their own or not is a whole other question, but in general, I think there's a less of an expectation of it. I, um, yeah, I, it just, goes to show how different I think I'm wired. Um, I really struggle with compartmentalization. I really, really do. Uh, I can focus, but often there is an undercurrent of other things that are important at that moment in my life that are tugging at my attention, um, kind of like a riptide in my mind. And so even, even like right now, I'm having this conversation. I'm speaking to you. I'm pretty well focused on the words that are coming out of my mouth. And yet I have this tug of things that are pulling at the back of my brain that I can't completely quash them. They're always there. So um, it's not a matter of, of focus. You know, I can focus, I can get stuff done. Uh, I can put my attention and energies into one thing, but um, those other things are still there causing, causing my brain to, to want to get derailed. Um, and then there are, times when no matter how hard I try, I can't keep that at bay. Like if it's something that is not relevant to the current situation, but is powerful enough that I can't ignore it, um, then I, I get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed and I don't want to engage with anybody. And it's a real struggle to like make myself go into the office or make myself work with other people or just anything, right? Because I all I want to do is just sit and mull over and try and figure out what's going on with my with that, whatever is taken over. So, um, you know, something that Matt talked about was when you're growing up, you're kind of told, you know, man up, you know, just go deal with it, run it off. And that was, that was always really hard for me to do. That was really hard. Right. I, I wanted to process what had happened. And the attitude that I was given was just forget it, just move on. And I couldn't just move on. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you for, a significant portion of my life, I consider that to be a weakness, right? Men are looked at as weak if they can't bury their emotions somewhere in the pit of their stomach and just move on and compartmentalize. Um, 
I know now that it, it's not necessarily a weakness. It's just a difference. But man, that is still something that plagues me today, right? That I just mm -hmm. always feel like I shouldn't have this swarm of things all together all the time in my brain. I shouldn't have that. And I can't not have it. So there you go. So there's at least one guy out there that <laughs> doesn't compartmentalize as well as others. Well, you, you, you meant, I think you said the optimum word and that is focus. And then yeah. you, uh, a few breaths later said, it's probably not all about focus or something like that. But um, when you said focus, I agree with that 100%. In fact, we call it compartmentalization, but I wonder how much of it really is just our ability to focus and cut out distraction. And the mm -hmm. more are able to focus and cut out distraction the more we are quote unquote compartmentalizing mm -hmm. you know for you know um um what what lancy i really no, want to hear lancy finish your thought but i want to when you're when you finish yeah. your thought i want to jump in and say something okay um yeah because you know when i'm sitting at home and i have nothing going on and it's it's a sunday afternoon and it's my downtime and then i've got to i decide you know what i got to go to the store and do whatever and then i've got to run over to the place a and before i come back home which is place b whatever i am so distracted all the time i'll get up and i'll walk out the door and leave my keys sitting on the table and i can't go anywhere without my keys i gotta come back and i gotta get my keys and then i go out and then i drive to the store and then i leave the store and go oh why didn't i buy milk so i gotta go back to you know i'm just so distracted um but I have the capacity, like if if a meteor was coming and going to destroy the world and I had only so much time to run to the store to buy my stuff and then go to place A and then come back home, I'd have my keys in my pocket. I'd have my milk bought. I'd be, you know, um, uh, I'd have all this stuff done, right, very quickly. And I, I think it's just my my brain's ability to focus when it really needs to focus and it becomes razor focused. But man, if it, if, if I don't have the need, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of not compartmentalized. I am distracted. I am just kind of, uh, you know, laying on the couch really. So the, in the three answers that you guys gave, we kind of ran the gamut from, talking about emotions versus tasks versus, you know, it was kind of all over the board. So I want to give an example in my mind of what I think about compartmentalization and kind of <laughs> focus in, if you will, on that. Um, and just, I want to note once again, I am breaking the gender things. I am a master at compartmentalization. <laughs> I do not have that. I'm thinking everything at once. And here's my example. Okay. I worked at a company where I was a controller. I was the top bean counter, the accountant and the sales manager made me crazy because they were always doing things that then I had to come back and clean up because they didn't follow the proper procedure. Right. However, she and I were really good friends outside work. So at work, uh, she made me crazy. It was like, what the hell has she done now? And blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. But then as soon as work was over, 
she and her husband and my, me and my husband would go and have a beer together and have the best time. And to me, that's a really good example of compartmentalization because I can totally separate my work from my personal. Um, and maybe you work with someone who you just really gets on your nerves, but you're able to separate your hate <laughs> for them <laughs> versus I have to get something done. So in my mind, that's what, and we haven't talked about it yet on this episode, but CT has talked about this before, uh, about having the different faces that you put on. You know, I wear this face when I'm doing this and I wear this face when I'm, yeah, exactly. And I think that's a level of compartmentalization. So with that kind of as a groundwork, let's talk about that. Wait, I, I got a follow-up question about you and your, and maybe you said it and I missed it. When you're having the drinks and so on with the person that you really are frustrated with at work that drives you crazy are you genuinely in the moment having a great time with that person or are you putting on a face in that moment oh that's a really good question um no i'm having a blast because work is gone okay. i'm not thinking about I work would, at all. i would say that is true compartmentalization for me that is very much a mask i am not forgetting all of the day where i hated that person <laughs> and I am probably begrudgingly at that event and sitting there the whole time going, yeah, but you were a bitch at lunch. Yeah, but I hated you in that meeting. Yeah, but you pissed me off, right? And that's all at the back of my brain running all the time while I'm sitting there going, oh, that's hilarious. You are amazing. Drink, 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 right? So yeah, I'm not genuinely in the moment in that dinner or the drinks or whatever. I am of two faces god i hate to say that because two-faced is supposedly a bad thing but i am <laughs> like this of two minds there's a mind that is unable to forget and then there is the one that is there trying to have a good time yeah i, th I so it's interesting because i think to me then the question becomes less about gender and more about really just i i don't know if i classify it as emotional intelligence or adapt adaptability to conflict i don't know i also don't like i'm struggling with how to how to classify it but i think it is different per person because i think some people are going to be better regardless of gender right i think it actually based on that definition is very very different i'm very similar to you michael in that if i am having an issue an issue with somebody regardless of how good we are as friends i have a very difficult time putting that aside and you know just enjoying the moment like i might be able to you know put myself into a zen state and be like okay for this moment i'm just going to try and do my best but i i'm not good at it right yeah. so i do think it i absolutely do think it does take just it just a i guess how you have managed to develop your skills over time well, good or bad yeah i mean I it depends well, on oh go ahead cz go ahead i'm sorry i'm i'm talking over you go ahead Okay, all right. I was going to, you know, uh, following up on what Matt said, it, it it depends on the level of disdain I have for somebody as to whether or not I can pull a, a Lancey, you know, um, because <laughs> if, 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 if my, if my power of perspective is strong enough and God willing, it is most of the time, because sometimes I'm sure it isn't uh, that I can look at a person and, and say, yeah, 
person A over here was being a jackass, but it's because of the situation we were in, it's because the role they play, whatever, then I'm able to peel that away and hit them. But, you know, if they pull a knife on me in the parking lot, and I'm probably not going to want to go buy them a drink afterwards, you know, so to speak. But an interesting thing for me, and I don't know how consciously aware I was of this for a long, long time, but I think I'm more consciously aware of it now than I was before. We talk about masks in relation to compartmentalizing how we behave in certain instances. I will sometimes go into a a social setting and wait to see if this person I know that I have awareness of is wearing their mask. Mm. And if I feel like they are, if I feel like, oh, well, my boss is wearing his happy hour mask now, not his Monday morning mask, then I will put my happy hour mask on and and be, you know, sociable in that moment. And so I tend to play either up or down to my competition, not that they're mm -hmm. competition, but you get my point. Yeah, I, I tend to play up or down to my the, the mm -hmm. people with. Um, um, but I've always been very good at masks. I've always been very good at knowing how to flip that switch and bring that mask on because I believe that the only time we're not wearing masks at all is when we're asleep. When we're asleep and we, we're laid back and our mouth is hanging open and we have drool coming out of our mouth. <laughs> we're not wearing them. But as soon as we wake up in the morning, somehow, somewhere, we, we put a mask on. Now, it might be made out of real thin cellophane plastic. But, you know, that's when I, that's the way I kind of think of mask wearing. Yeah, I do. <clears throat> I do want to be clear that in the in the situation that I described, um, I genuinely like this person, right? Mm -hmm. But she made me crazy because she didn't do what I wanted her to do at work. If it was someone that I had no respect for, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's different, <laughs> different situation. <laughs> yeah, but what would so what would you do if it was a person you had no respect for? Would you not show up, or would you have a different? Oh, there we wouldn't be going out for beers. No, screw that. I, I have zero time for that. Right. Uh, I have, the other thing I have that zero, we talked about. I was going to say, I have zero emotional in my tank to be able to fake it that long. Right. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. The other point I was going to, I was going to bring up too with Michael is that we've talked about this before is that I'm someone who I never hold on to grudges at all. Right. And it doesn't take me long to process and move on versus other people like my husband, who is a major grudge holder, like, like. No, you, you just, I, I think that, I think you just hit, I think you just hit on a really good point. Um, I, I think our emotional, the way we process things emotionally dot ties directly to how we're able to compartmentalize. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I I have a friend at work, and he's a very very close friend. Like, we're, we're we're brothers. He pisses me off to no end. I mean, because we get into these creative arguments right there in front of everybody, and it's loud, and he's yelling, and I'm yelling, and whatever else. And um, the way I handle it is to walk. Oh, I fume. I go back into my office, and I just sit there and fume and fume and fume. And I just let the fumes 
arrogate my soul and everything sort of flushes out. And then I take a big breath and literally 10 minutes later, if 10 minutes, I walk back out and we have a different conversation of a different topic. And it's like nothing ever happened. Um, but I, I, I'd like to think that maybe that is some sort of emotional compartmentalizing, <laughs> some, some sort of emotional focus or refocus or something like that. Does but, it come back to you or are you done with it? I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm done with it. Now, we may conversate about what our argument like the next day or the next week or whatever. And, uh, you know, we're very honest. I'll be very honest with him and tell him, yeah, man, you really pissed me off, man. Oh, I was human. <laughs> but it, it's it's other than that. It's not like I'm angry with him anymore. You know, it's not like I'm mad. And I'm using him as an example. Man, I've done that with my own brother. I've done it with um oh god knows my own sister and i've done it with you know um people a lot of people it's kind of how i deal with that just being so explosively angry and hone it something that ct mentioned earlier i want to kind of circle back to is i think compartmentalization can be confused with being able to prioritize quickly um a trait that i do have that I don't know that I've, I don't know if this is gender specific or not. I really don't, but I know, I know Lancey shares that she can prioritize quickly. Um, if, if they're in, if I'm in a situation where a bunch of new data hits me very quickly and I need to try and figure out what needs to be done first, second, third, fourth, to get it all done and get it all done, say within the time limit, I can very quickly prioritize everything. Just do, 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 do. And I'm like, okay, this needs to be done first. This needs to be done second. Let's get moving. Um, and I know my wife, a lot of times she'll just be overwhelmed by it and she won't, she won't know. And she'll just take like the first thing that came into her mind. And I'm like, that's not necessarily the best. Like she'll start working on the first thing that popped in her head. That's not necessarily the best way to handle when you have 20 things hit you at once, you know, you need to, you need to be able to prioritize that very quickly. But I, I don't know that that was what you were talking about. Like if an asteroid was coming, you, your keys would be in your pocket. You know exactly how to get everywhere you needed to go and get all of the stuff you needed and get back. But I don't know that that's compartmentalization. That that to me is a different subset of what we're talking about, or a different a different section of the human brain. What I I think the litmus test that I have is if you are in a situation that is uh, big enough on your radar that you would remember it, and then you get into a different situation, and that first situation is just completely gone from your like your conscious mind. Like it's just not even part of what you're thinking. That's pretty compartmentalized. If you have a big event and then you go into another event and you're still thinking about this first one, then that's not compartmentalized. Stuff is bleeding across, right? And whatever that is, whether it's an emotionally charged event or, uh, well, I guess emotions are pretty much what we're talking about here, mostly emotions bleeding over. Um, I, I know in, in my life, oftentimes, my gut reaction is an emotional one. And then I always try to step back and have a logical approach to it. And that takes processing time, but the emotions never really go away. They still bleed over, right? <laughs> I still have them even later. So like you were talking about uh, CT that you could go in that office and you could, you could process through your emotions, you could get them spent, and then you can come back and you're no longer thinking about the emotional state that you had. That's pretty good at compartmentalizing. It's, it's an effort to do it. 
It's not something that necessarily is a natural state for you. I don't know. It might be. But I, I don't even know. Once I've gone through and I've processed all my emotions, there's a lot of times where they still leak across often. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, you mentioned the litmus test and the example that you gave or the, or the, the things you brought up uh, made, led me to believe that maybe if, if it's not emotionally driven, I think I try to avoid compartmentalizing. Like mm. people say, yeah, I read one novel in the morning and then I read a novel, no another novel at night before bed. And, uh, or maybe a write writer is working on two different pieces or three different pieces at the same time. I go to great lengths to avoid that. If I'm reading a book, it's only that book and it's, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So That's I try to, Right. When the syrup spills across one square in the waffle and begins to invade the other square, <laughs> I try not to do any of that. See, uh, and I tend to, I, I can work on multiple projects at the same time, read multiple novels at the same time. That's something I can easily do. That's interesting. It's interesting too. You talked about the, um, you know, like being able to go into having this heated discussion with somebody and and kind of have that argument and whether it's resolved or not, you know, you, you didn't really get into. But for me, more often than not, they aren't usually resolved. And I am a master at rehashing that argument for days at a, you know, days afterwards. Right. You live like, that on your head. You oh, yeah. 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 It's it's playing in the local mind theater like 24 7 and there are no refreshments so it's just continuous on loop and it's like oh i should have said this and i should have said this and i should have said this and you know it's all like you'd think it'd make me a great arguer it doesn't no, but it doesn't no i'm sorry i live in the same i live in that same godforsaken theater basically it's it's the devil's theater yep. and it doesn't make you a better arguer i yeah i'm sorry yeah i just nope. wanted you guys to jump in with enthusiasm there you yeah. guys are so funny because i'm I'm not like that at all, but I live with someone again, who is right. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, if I'm in a heated argument, then I word vomit how I feel about it. And then I'm done. Like once I've got it out, I'm over it. And then maybe days later and on a couple of occasions, months, and maybe years later, that shit comes up again. And I'm like, oh no, sir, we're done with that. We've had this discussion. <laughs> Yeah, I think See, I, I think that's the frustrating thing of the person that lives in the mind theater is I'm not done. I still have a lot of processing to do. You got all your emotions out, but I I couldn't even identify what the emotion was at the time, much less how I feel about it and what I want to say about it. Yep. So you're like, oh no, we're done. I'm like, no, 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 you're done. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> and I've built up a whole bunch of arguments that are just going to prove you wrong. And lay you flat out and you're just going to be begging for mercy because i've spent time on this i want to give you a virtual high five matt That's the, <laughs> <bam>. <laughs> you know, it's funny, speaking of the whole mind theater thing uh that happens to me a lot too i mean but it's never because of conversations i'm involved in it's because of conversations i witness either mm. other people have or maybe it's uh one of the endless you know talking head videos on uh youtube or whatever and man oh yeah my my little uh my my mask of what, what would you call it d d 
diplomatic diplomatic deliberation could just i mean socks on and um i spend far more time than i should literally memorizing uh rebuttals that if they ever came up in conversation my memorization would skills would be right out the window anyway and i would just end up stuttering and spewing and and slobbering on myself but yeah no i i get that mind theater thing i it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's time consuming i I've had to cultivate a certain level of indifference to that type, that scenario you were just talking about. I've had to cultivate it and cut certain parts of that out of my life. I used to listen to more politically oriented and and watch more politically oriented stuff. And it would just drive me insane. And I would think about it weeks on end. And I realized that this was something I couldn't necessarily impact. So I had to force myself to cut it out. And, and, and cultivate a certain level of indifference. So when I hear somebody saying something stupid, I'm just like, I am now going to studiously ignore you. I got, <laughs> I got too much of my own shit in my head. I don't need yours. Right. Yep. So <laughs> yep. it's yep. hard, but I do it. Why All right. So we're, we're bumping up against our time here. Do you guys have some final thoughts on compartmentalization? Um, I'm I'm sure we have thoroughly confused any answer to this question that might have otherwise been clarifying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, that nope. Other than that, nope. I don't. I I do I do have a a couple of final thoughts. Number one is I am surprised that the three guys on this podcast are talking about being somewhere in the middle, maybe leaning towards less compartmentalization. Um, I, I'm surprised and I'm happy because that tells me that there are other guys out there living the same hell that I'm in. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, misery loves company, I guess, but Absolutely. Um, number two is I, I do know guys that live a very compartment. Their brain is very compartmentalized and there are like I, I've seen it numerous times in jokes where like the 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 girl in the relationship will say, "What are you thinking?" And the guy's like, "Nothing." And he'll like complain to his friends. It's like, "Why doesn't she understand? I'm literally not thinking about anything, right? I'm just tuned out." And while I can't identify with that, I can never shut it off. Um, I wish I could, and I've known guys that can do that. And I've told them, I was like, "Man, I envy your ability to do that. I wish I could, and I can't." Um, so to say that the three of us are necessarily examples of that extreme, definitely not. We, I don't think any of us are at that point where we can just tune, tune everything off and just not be thinking, but there are guys that are like that. So the, the, the roundup of this kind of diary of the mouth of thoughts here is there's a spectrum. There is a spectrum. It is not uh, you are either compartmentalized or you are a spaghetti logic kind of person. It is you, you maybe in some areas you lean more towards thinking everything at once, and some of the areas you're more compartmentalized. But um, everybody's sort of in the middle at some point. And there's very few people that are either end of that spectrum, and and we just proved it. Yeah, my final thought is I'm done with this, and we can move on. No, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's no, the my... writing guy is beating every question to death <laughs> one week at a time. <laughs> no, I was just compartmentalizing it. Um, my <laughs> my actual final thought on it is, is I think this. I think what we have 
try to define as compartmentalization, I think kind of lives there with multitasking. Everybody thinks they're good at it and it really isn't possible. Um, you know, you can't actually multitask, right? You have to focus on one thing at a time, even if you can do that quickly in succession. So I think it's, I think it's kind of the same thing. Interesting. I actually um, am a terrible multitasker. I'm terrible at it. I, 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 I can't do it. I have to focus on one thing at a time, which is probably why I'm very good at compartmentalization. <laughs> um, the other thing is, I think my final thoughts that I'm giving, which I don't always do, is I think it's really tied to your emotions. And I think it's situational. I think there are some situations where you will be fantastic at shoving all that emotion aside. And there are some situations where they will just envelop you and you won't be able to separate them yeah yeah it's kind of interesting right off of that and then we'll close out when i was in film school so many years ago i was the producer on a student film and i didn't want to be a producer on a student film i wanted to be a director on a student film but they made me producer because for some reason they thought that i would be a good producer or maybe they were jacking with me and said we're going to see how well this person does as a producer because we don't see those skills in him um, so, and, and I, I remember being on set and having a dozen things go on at the same time, all of which needed, all of which needed a solution. And the, the more I, the more I pointed fingers and made, gave directions and, you know, go get, you know, go get, move camera A to position B, get, where's the boom mic, make sure it gets here from the student garage uh, you know, this and that and everything else, the less emotional I became. And I became, I started talking like this. I was low voiced. I was very, uh, you know, straightforward. And it was, it was this, and it got done really fast. I wasn't flipping out and my voice wasn't cracking and I wasn't under some, I didn't, you know, I wasn't letting the timeline get to me. Um, and so I think, I think what Lancey just said, and I, what we've sort of uh, the conclusion we've come to in that it's an emotional thing. The more you can, yes, it's emotionally driven, but the more you can resolve it unemotionally, the the faster and the better I think things get. You know, compartmentalized like that. I I wonder if compartmentalizing compartmentalization, and I'm really sad that we just brought this up in the like the roundup, might have another definition. So I can do that too when you have a bunch of things hitting you all at once and you've got to process through it. But man, I need it. I need an end to it. I can't do that every day, all day for the rest of my life. There are people that can. That's one of the reasons why I don't think I could work in a kitchen. You see these shows where they have, you know, the kitchens are just crazy. The ticket machines running like nuts and they're, they're prepping hundreds of orders all simultaneously. And it's just chaos, but it's like managed chaos in the kitchen. You watch these television shows about it. I couldn't do that. I could do it for like a day, maybe two. But after that, I'm like, I can't, I can't handle this pressure of having to be at this level all the time. I need more deliberative tasks in my life. So I, I can do, I can do that kind of thing. Like you just described CT and, and maybe even excel at it briefly, but I can't do it continuously. So there's another compartmentalization piece, right? I can do certain tasks for certain periods of time pretty well. But once I've hit that time limit, I have to go and and recover, right? So yeah, I wonder I wonder if that's also a part of of that. It's a little bit broader scope, but 
yeah anyway just throwing that out there maybe that's another <laughs> podcast idea somewhere in that nestled nestled in there matt did you need to throw another ringer out there before yeah, we <laughs> nope i'm done <laughs> yeah, all, right. all right then i'll wrap it up for us <laughs> All right, everyone, that concludes this episode of Writing Guys. If you have a question that you would like answered uh, about how men think, uh, visit writingguys.net and click the button to ask us a question. Um, fill out the form. It's really short. Uh, click the button, submit it, and we'll get it on the show. Uh, and then please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the Writing Guys podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, we will see you. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.